Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be free of spoilers from episodes we have not covered yet, but this is a show that's all about these story arcs, so we're definitely going to be talking about details from previous episodes, especially in this episode. Mm -hmm. I'm Jason, and yeah, I... Even though there's like about 50 years between it, I haven't been able to get out of the book selling business. Mm -hmm. And I'm Harrison, and I also will refuse to pay bills for DIing of my children. That, that makes you a bad person. <laughs> uh, well, she's dead now. So. <laughs> Jason, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel Season 2, Episode 15, Reprise. Or reprise. Mm -hmm. uh, I typically go with reprise. I do too. Um, even though like reprisal is a thing. So yeah, yeah reprise. I think that's just what I learned when I was learning music as a kid. Mm -hmm. When I was like singing and everything. I was like, oh, reprise. I just like the sound of it more. It just yeah, sounds it, a little nicer. Yeah, it makes it sound like a, a lot of those like music words are like kind of uh, Italian. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if reprise is Italian in nature. Um, or Latin, I'm not sure. I don't know. I couldn't tell you, buddy. <laughs> okay. You had a computer right there. I could tell you. No, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, this is the one where, whoa, um, everybody kind of uh, faces very dark moments uh, as a result of, honestly, almost all as a result of Angel's choices. Yeah. And, uh, and Angel... Finally, after waging this war, his own personal war against Wolfram and Hart, finds out the true nature of what he's facing. And uh, yeah, and we get the last appearances of a couple of characters in the series. Mm -hmm. um, none of our mains, yeah. but, uh, but a couple of uh, recurring characters that we've enjoyed greatly. God, imagine if like wesley died from like standing up too quickly and bleeding out well i mean like what a way to go tasha yar died from armis <laughs> so hey do you want to prank call armis <laughs> <laughs> oh um so uh just since you brought up lower decks um i have been watching loki recently and um, I can't remember the character's name, but it's like the little secretary guy. Oh yeah, front desk. Eugene Cordero's character. Yeah, yeah. And I like something like Clancy or something. Casey, Casey, Casey. But yeah, no, it was so funny because yeah. like I remembered here, like when I the first time I heard him talk, I'm like, he sounds really familiar. Have I seen him in something before? Because but he didn't look familiar, so that should have been a tip off. <laughs> but yeah, I looked up his IMDb and like, oh, that's Rutherford. Looks absolutely nothing like Rutherford. He's also a uh, pillboy on yes, the did. Good Place. Yes, I um, I did. Oh, he's only like I did a couple episodes. Well, but I gosh, I haven't seen the Good Place since it went off air, so it's kind of hard for me <laughs> to even just like think about it. And he's like. He's, like, a minor, minor, minor character for, like, Jason's backstory. Yeah, he's, like, so. he's like a tear under, um, his, under Jason's dad. Donkey Dog! Don <laughs> Donkey Dog! <laughs> Just call me Donkey Dad. <laughs> Amazing. All right, let's get that intro music. Uh, oh, no, wait. No, you have to say I what have to tell. Yeah, give us some credits, people. baby. I have to tell the people. Uh, Reprise was written by Tim Minear. Um, and was directed by James Whitmore Jr. and originally aired on February 20th, 2001. 
Imagine just like going into this episode straight from the end of I Was Made to Love You. The WB that night was just like, oh, your feelings? Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jason. Yes, Harrison. Why don't you tell our our listeners what we are drinking today? Harrison made martinis. He did. Um, he did not have a lot of options. <laughs> um, we have a lot of, like, liquor, but we don't have a lot of, like, the things you mix into the liquor. Mixers? Except for other <laughs> liquors, yes. So I made a martini, because martinis are yummy. Yes, I... I still say, and I've said it before on this show, but one of my favorite memories of of uh, like so many with you was when we were like, uh, I don't know if it was the first time we spent a weekend at John's parents' house, mm-hmm. but I think it was one of the earlier times, and uh, like everybody got there, everybody unpacked, and then I was like, hey, I'm gonna make martinis for everyone. I was in a martini making phase because <laughs> I'd been watching a lot of MASH. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and like, uh, I just remember like, uh, it was, it was the first day we had a whole weekend ahead of us and, uh, you and I were just kind of sitting out there and, uh, just like sipping on martinis in Sadieville. That's nice. awesome. Just looking at the hills and the trees and, and little, 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 I don't know. Joking. Also, that is the first time that I ever saw anybody not just you anybody uh garnish with okra oh a garnish yeah. a martini with okra instead of with an olive which is what i traditionally do that being said i tried it did not hate it yeah it, i think it, it works i think it was just the i don't like olives and yeah. the okra was there <laughs> like no but it worked it did work yeah. it was great i think it was pickled um okay i believe so anyway uh, would you like to take us into a toast uh, yes, um, here is to the hope that people will actually do something this time. Yeah. Sorry, guys, this is gonna be a sad episode. Yeah. And of course, it's not gonna have anything on next week. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if you were hoping for, um, obviously, when last you listened to us, uh, we were talking about Joyce dying. Um, so if you were hoping for a, uh, happy-go-lucky oh, at least we can, like, take a break from the emotions. No. <laughs> Indeed, we cannot. Like, probably the funniest that we get at this point is uh, the very beginning of this episode as uh, Angel's just walking through this room of goats. And uh, <laughs> and he finds these two guys that... Um, Absolute ding-dongs. They really are. They're, they're trying to do a, a sacrifice, like a, like a, a satanic sacrifice... But they're doing it like they're trying to assemble a piece of furniture from Ikea. Um, they even say, like, oh, we need, like, the the blessed, the already blessed dagger or something. I didn't see that in the box. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're referring to the diagram. I was I was having flashbacks to assembling our new couch a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I am. Oh, whew. that reminds me of, like, trying to put together the... Uh, the couches that I got for my house. Oh because, yeah. Well, so what happened was the um, like the big sectional was supposed to go downstairs, and the like 
uh, leather couch was supposed to go upstairs. Um, the guys who moved, who were moving them into the house, delivering them, didn't really know what they were doing, so they could not fit um, the sectional pieces downstairs, which, quite frankly, once I, like, looked at a tag on it after they had left, I found out, oh, all you had to do was just remove this one part and oh it would God. fit down there. Um, but... Yeah, so they're like, well, man, do you, like, want us to take it back? I'm like, no, I've been waiting for these for, like, six months. And, uh, and like, so they ended up putting the leather couch downstairs and the sectional upstairs. I figured out what the hell you had to do. So I had some friends come over, and we disassembled both couches and put, the, and put them in their Christ. proper place and then reassembled them. Oh, my God. What but that being said, I love those couches. Um now that they are fully assembled and in my house. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And um, Angel is trying to be glib about it. He just like walks through and these two guys are looking at him. And he's like, sorry, I just couldn't help but notice the goats. <laughs> um, so yeah, Angel probably saved some goats uh, tonight. Uh, but uh, this is kind of a... Um, this has kind of been a recurring thing in the last couple of uh, weeks... There have been random assortment, like random people just doing all these sacrifices and stuff all around town, all these rituals and everything, and he's trying to figure out why. Um, we get a little bit of resolution to that uh, poor girl from the last episode of Angel who had an eye in her the back of her head. Um, and uh, Wesley Gunn and Cordelia were able to get it removed. Yay! And uh, But then... Uh, that was Stephanie Sharp, who the little girl who had it in there, and uh, and she says like, "Oh, I I can't thank you," and she's like, Boo. "It's okay, it, it's okay, it's our job." And he's like, "No, I actually can't thank you. Um, I, I I'm not going. I saw this bill and it's ridiculous," and I'm like, "Well, let me finish why she isn't going <laughs> to pay that bill." She says that um, her husband. Ugh. It's already not starting out great. Her husband said that the very idea that an eye can grow in the back of someone's head is impossible. And uh, so, and she thinks that since they're the only people in town that do, that take care of stuff like this, that it's a, her husband convinced her that it was a scam. Despite the fact that we saw her in the last episode bring in her daughter with an eye that moved. They yep. even like tested to make sure that it moved. And and so she's like, yeah, so I think this is a scam and I'm not going to pay you. And um, Cordelia's pissed. Yeah. I'd be too. I, I am pissed. Yeah. Although, because it's also, one, it's so obvious that the scam thing is just them bullshitting. Oh, yeah. They're just, they just don't want to pay. Yes. But I'm also... I am a, I'm actually glad that they have this in here. Like, I'm angry on their behalf. But I absolutely believe that pe- there'd be people who would do this. And they have no recourse. They can't take it to, like, collections yeah. Yeah. and be like, we removed a magical demon eye out of her daughter's head. They'd be laughed out of there. Yeah, which is something similar to uh, what Kate has to go through in this episode. Oh, gosh. Uh, I was... It's, it's like, way too little, way too late, but I was, like, Kate, I was feeling for her this week. Yeah, I was, too. Um, mostly 
for for one specific person on her panel that I fucking hated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, no, and yeah, you're you're right because when you think about it, when they're doing what they're doing in a world that is largely unaware, the human population is largely unaware of the existence of demons and vampires. The fact that like people are ready to like pay these bills and invoices. Um, obviously like they had a little bit of trouble at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, when, uh, angel investigation was first starting out, but the fact that like, they're able to constantly have these people that do pay, um, cause I mean, you have to think something happens to you, something supernatural happens to you. Not only is it like traumatic in most cases for people who come to angel investigations, it's also like a worldview changer. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, all of a sudden vampires exist now, demons exist, magic exists, heaven and hell exist. That's crazy. And people usually seem to be pretty chill with it when they turn in their little checks for, <laughs> um, for angel investigations to cash. So, yeah, this, yeah, I agree with you. I, it makes me mad mm-hmm. because they did a job and they should get paid for it. Yeah. Um, it would, but yeah, like it does kind of make sense. Yeah, and, it just uh, makes this world feel just a little more real. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Mr. Sharp should uh, get his ass kicked. I mean, he's probably dead now. I was say, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I, we only see Mrs. Sharp killed in this episode, but it's not looking good for the other Sharps either. I would imagine. Yeah, according to the uh, Buffy Wiki. Um, she and her daughter then leave successfully stiffing the gang for payment. Don't blame Stephanie for this, Wiki. Rude. Stephanie is an innocent bystander. Yeah, she can't help it that, um, her parents are dicks. Cheap assholes. (laughs) Um... And then uh, Gunn decides that he's had enough of this episode and leaves. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, his reason is like he wants to go out on patrol where he could be more use. That's kind of his way of dealing with the frustration where um, Cordy's is just like... Yeah. And that is the writer's way of dealing with... They don't really have anything for Gunn to do in this You know, episode. I honestly, like, when I noticed that he wasn't in the rest of the episode, I thought... Was J. August Richards busy this week? And like, do we still need you in this scene for this like little sort of a payoff? And uh, like, all right, I'll do this scene, but then I got something else I got to take <laughs> care of. Uh, I don't know. Um, then we get uh, our two lovely L lawyers that we haven't seen in a hot minute, mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay and Lila, and we find out that um, there's a seventy-five year review coming up at Wolfram and Hart and Lindsay and Lila are um, suffering something that makes them seem almost human. Fear of an audit. (laughs) Y'all, I can relate. I mean, I understand the purposes of audits. I don't think that where I work is in like, like we're in very good shape and don't have anything to um worry about when audits come maybe just like a couple notes here and there that are very like um for lack of a better word cosmetic if anything else Mm -hmm. it still makes me stressed as hell anytime like you know somebody from corporate's coming and they're like yeah we're gonna look through everything that you've done so uh in in this past year and uh, we're gonna go through with a fine-tooth comb that's 
(laughs) (laughs) These are the sort of things that I just love that this show does. Because it's that banality of evil that I that I just really like. Yeah, it's 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 why Wolfram and Hart is such a good um, overall antagonist mm -hmm. to the series. Yeah. Um, I also love uh, so Lindsay and Lila are dealing with this in one of in two different ways. Lila's freaking out. She's trying to get as many sacrifices and stuff done around town as she can to make it look good on their record. <laughs> that There's your explanation for why there's so much cr- weird shit happening in town. Oh, yeah. Um, and <laughs> she even set, is talking about other employees that are um, doing everything that they can to just look better in the eyes of the people coming to review them. And, uh, and one person even sacrificed her firstborn. Jesus. At this point, Lila says, like, damn, I knew I should have had kids. So fucking, <laughs> so fucking dark. So dark, and, and I like, love and it. And it's so funny because, like, typically, what makes this funny for me is that typically when these lines are delivered, it's normally just like a... You know, one of those classic, like, oh, we'll, um, like, we'll sue you and then, like, eat your children. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, uh, uh, nobody wants a lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, it's it's usually delivered in, like, a glib way. But uh, Stephanie, Stephanie Romanoff is delivering this with the desperation of somebody who really wants to brown nose to the boss. <laughs> right. And Lindsay's just like, you know what, man? I don't care. Our record's gonna um, speak for itself. And... And Lila and Lila says, "Our record is shit." Yeah. <laughs> and Lila is right. We're not going to get a second chance. I'm like, you've already, you're on, you're, like on your third chance. Yeah. <laughs> they've they've managed not to fuck up too too badly <laughs> since Holland died, and that's the only reason that they're and, they, still and they're standing. like, um, and they say something along the lines of, uh. And, and uh, Lila says, yeah, we've got, like, a bunch of mistakes out there, two of which we still don't know where they are. And uh, Lindsay's just all chill, like, uh, oh, like, I mean, set fire to Darla and Drusilla, so probably won't be seeing them for a while. Uh, we eventually do find out why uh, Lindsay's being so chill. It's because he's a fucking simp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, it's true. <laughs> and he, when he goes home, he sees that we find out that he's been taking care of Darla, and I'm like, dude, it ain't gonna happen. She's, uh, he is whipped using you. This he is, is whipped to all hell, and I know that may not be like a great terminology to use nowadays. Dude is whipped as shit. She's not even pretending that she's not manipulating him. She does. She literally does the. <coughs> I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say boo you whore when she said that? Uh, <laughs> no, I said boo you whore to Lindsay for not even, for not even no. uh, having an ounce of self respect. Yeah, yeah Lin- Lindsay's a fucking simp, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. I um, I do really like this moment that uh. He says, he tells Tarla he's going to go take a shower. And she's like, she notes, she's like, you always take a shower when you get back from that place. Um, and so despite his, like, take it sleazy attitude, you know, he's not able to, uh, he's he's able to keep that facade around he Lila, yeah, but he not around Darla. He doesn't feel good about what he's doing. He really kind of hasn't felt good about it. Um, Since they wanted him to kill those kids. I mean, I was even going to say, like, uh... Like, just, obviously he's fallen for Darla over and over, and, um, 
and like the uh and the firm was ready to do like whatever the fuck they wanted with her yeah including turning her into a vampire but yeah um Lindsay, zero self-respect <laughs> mm-hmm. um angel goes to kate um and uh he's uh trying to he's trying to like tell her all this crazy shit that's happening and um and she's like you know what i really don't have time for this angel and normally i'd be like you better make time but (laughs) she is in fact uh facing a disciplinary hearing for what happened in the last angel episode as um she and Angel did investigate together that squadron that was made that squad that was making zombie cops mm-hmm. that precinct and um, the uh, the dude who is very much guilty of raising cops from the dead is uh, is saying that like oh yeah this officer Kate Lockley she uh, she 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 uh, let this guy in to beat me up and I don't even think I remember him getting beat up by Angel. Um, I just remember like him being scared to shit of Angel. Yeah, I don't think Angel. No, they they tussled a bit before um, he like crawled into his little zombie cave. Yeah. So uh, at this point, like Angel does say that he's sorry because you know, as Kate says, she can't just say that. Uh, well, in all fairness, the guy did shoot Angel. He shot before Angel did anything, so yeah, we're still not giving him any anything. <laughs> oh no, I was not giving him any leeway. I was just yeah. But yeah. Um. So and she can't just say to this disciplinary hearing that this guy was making zombie cops, because mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned earlier, this is a world that's largely unaware mm-hmm. of this stuff. This is what this is what I wish they'd been doing with Kate all along. Yeah, because I'm fine with this downward spiral, but it's been so connected to I'm mad at Angel because my dad died, and here they've recontextualized it as well, well, exactly what you were saying earlier. My eyes are now wide open to this world mm-hmm. that I did not know was there, and as an officer of the law, I feel like I have a duty to, you know, to protect people, protect and serve, protect and serve. Yeah. But now I know that, like, all of this is out there that I can't protect people from. Or, when I am doing the right thing and protecting people from, like, shit like this, like, the system is designed to fuck me over. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, here I was really, really sympathizing with Kate. And I was, like, I was so frustrated because I was just like, why hasn't this been what you were doing all along? Yeah, and you can see that... um... Like, they do point out in her hearing, we keep jumping ahead to that, uh, we're probably going to a couple more times, but they keep saying in her hearing that she's, like, become isolated mm-hmm. and um, obsessed. Guess what other character in uh-huh. this show is also have has been isolated and obsessed? Hint, hint, it's the titular role. Yeah. Uh, it's but... the titular role! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that, because that was literally what was in my head. Oh, favorite lines. Um, <laughs> There's no... You don't play the Tempest in the Tempest. <laughs> that is uh, from uh, that is from Lady Bird, for those of you all who have not seen... Who don't know what we're talking about. Check it out. It's a delightful movie. And as someone who... And emotional. Uh, very emotional. Uh, but also often very funny. Yeah. And as someone who... Um, 
uh, was attending Catholic high school at the yeah. same time that that movie is set. There are a lot of places where I was like, oh, wow. The scene where um, she's, uh, like, with uh, Lucas Hedges, uh, and he's like, she's like, do you want to touch my boob? And he's like, no, I respect you too much. <laughs> I leaned over to uh, our friend Aaron, who, who went and saw the movie with us, and I went, he's, he's gay. gay. <laughs> and then later, when they were going into the bathroom, I was like, her boyfriend's in there making out with someone. Uh, or with a guy and like that's exactly what happened and Aaron was like have you seen this already and I was like yes I saw <laughs> I've lived it I saw this happen to a lot of girls IRL <laughs> who did theater um, yeah <laughs> the, but no the boys the, school the, the, yeah the movie's really uh, really nice it's directed by Greta Gerwig mm-hmm. um, who is a uh, wonderful Great director wonderful director um, and it's and writer star- and writer yes and uh, I believe she wrote this movie as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it stars uh, Cher Sharonin. Uh, yes, that is how you pronounce that name. Uh, oh, it's not Sayoris? It's not Sayoris. Um, how do you spell Sayoban? <laughs> Siobhan. Um, but, uh, and, uh, and also a very wonderful performance from Laurie Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Um, so good. And uh, also, like, uh, I think maybe the first movie that I saw, Timothy Shell. No, no. I feel like I've seen Timothy Chalamet in something that he wasn't like a huge role in before that, but this is like kind of the first time that he was actually brought to my attention. Yeah, and uh, and Greta Gerwig, Cher uh, Sharonin, and Timothy Chalamet would re-team up for uh, Little Women. The small uh, two small. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, like, this is going to bother me if I don't, like, get to it. I need to see, like, what I saw Timothy Chalamet yeah. in before he became, like, you know, the actor that everybody wants yeah. to well, cast. Lady Bird is, like, I think he started getting, like, got him some notice, and then uh, Call Me By Your Name really yeah, broke well, him I mean, out there. Because he, like, he got an Oscar nomination for that, didn't um, he? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was um, a very small part in Interstellar. Mm, that's right. Um, he uh, also plays the vice president's horrible son on the second season of Homeland, <laughs> and he is blown up. <laughs> he just exploded. I mean, it's like in a terrorist attack, and lots of people blow up. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't like he was specifically targeted. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I was first introduced to Timothy Chalamet when he's getting his ass blown up on Homeland, and then he got really famous getting his ass blown out in Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> That's the gay agenda. No, like, I, I am... There have been times when you've made jokes on this podcast... And I'm like that you oh laugh my. politely. And, and, and I'm like, oh my god! But I am, I am legit impressed by that. That was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, All right. Well, that was one of the weirdest tangents we've ever gone on. Uh, pretty gay though, so kind of like in the yeah. uh, on brand. Yeah, on brand. Um, let's see where are we at. Oh yeah. Um, oh, in, we were talking about Kate, and I. Before we move on from her, yes. I just want to say, um, Kate in this episode finally feels like a character again yeah. and not an obstacle. 
Well, I, th- I think you could say the same for the last episode as well. That's where I, the yeah. shift started to uh-huh. happen. Um, and she had that scene in the graveyard that yeah. really kind of made you sympathize with her. Yeah. But not be a simp. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not fucking groaning that she's on screen anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, Angel Angel's is like, hey, I, okay, I'm, I'm sorry that you have to go through this. And that's when um, Kate, like, uh, has found evidence about the lawyers getting killed in Holland's wine cellar and how basically there were there wasn't a break-in like the like Darla and Drusilla had to be um yeah like they broke out of it Mm -hmm. um meaning that somebody locked them in there with those lawyers and uh and Angel's like Angel doesn't like try to deny it or anything So, um, Kate just He's like, what of it, bro? Yeah, and Kate's just like, yeah, I'm not helping you again. Um, she's pretty much done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Angel, so, Angel can't get help from Kate, so he goes to his next closest friend at the moment, Lorne! I mean, he should have just gone to Lorne first. Lauren actually is, like, not antagonistic towards it. Well, I think maybe Angel thought that he and Kate were in a better place after the, after their last adventure. Because, um, you know, and I also think that at this point, Angel's desperate to have uh, a lot of desperation in this episode. Yeah. Angel's desperate to, like, know that he has not only resources for his vendetta against Wilfram and Hart, but also, like, you know, just re- emotional resources, too. Um, but that being said, like, I'm pretty sure what Kate said to Angel is, like, gotten under his skin. So he goes to Caritas, and he's very short with Lorne. Um, he does notice that it is full of Wolfram and Hart lawyers. And they notice him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and he says, like, oh, you need to, like, you need to tell me what's go like, what you've read from them. And, uh, and Lorne does say, like, hey, I can't divulge what i read from people and i get that they are evil but i do respect that lauren has that um code Mm -hmm. it it really does kind of like obviously our main character has gone extremely morally gray so it is nice to know that there is a um a character that is kind of like maybe an absolute (coughs) neutral morality yeah um that definitely helps because like uh at this point um at this point i'd say that uh you know cordy west and gun are more like um lawful good whereas uh angel is um going anywhere from chaotic good to uh chaotic evil Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh Sorry, I'm doing D and D alignments. No, I'm sorry about this. Go uh, for it, fucking nerd. Uh, but uh, and Lorne is kind of like in the middle, is this like true neutral? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe he's slightly leaning towards the good because he does say like, you know, I can't read people and then tell anything, but I can mention what I overheard in the men's room, <laughs> which little sus, little <laughs> sus there, Lorne. What were you doing in the men's room? I mean, you might have been using the restroom, but, uh, hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, he reveals to Angel... I think that... there was gay sex going on in the men's room, is what I'm saying. 
I and mean, Lauren maybe or maybe was not participating in I'd it. I'd like to think that Lauren is a professional and wouldn't do that at Caritas. Okay, I was about to say, have at you, Caritas. Have you seen how he interacts with his bartenders? No, no, no. Again, at <laughs> not Caritas. At the bar, not like, the you bar. don't. You don't dip your pen in the company ink. You don't shit where you work. You don't. Except in the bathroom. Yeah, I was saying. I mean, don't hold it. That's it. Do you just not poop Pardon me. It's like, pardon me. It's, it's like, it's, you don't shit where you eat. Is that what it yes, is? Yes. Okay. That's, that's the actual. <laughs> that's the actual. You don't shit at work ever. <laughs> it's like. You drive all the way home and then back. <laughs> Um, and uh, he does reveal that this review is happening but the employees aren't exactly scared by the review more the reviewer and uh, he gets he's able to get like two words to Angel two words that are incredibly important Mm -hmm. to the mythos of the show go ahead and say it Harrison senior partner is this the first mention of the senior partners or is this like I feel like if if they've been mentioned at all, it's been in passing mm-hmm. by maybe Holland or Lindsay. Yeah. This um, feels like the first mention of the senior partners with a capital S and a capital P. Yeah. Yeah. This is like kind of the first mention of them as this antagonistic force. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you hear senior part like if you hear casually senior partners, like, oh, just other people like um, other people involved with uh, Wolfram and Hart. But this is like, no, these are probably like the most the most evil beings in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, a senior partner is going to manifest itself on Earth in order to conduct the review. And uh, and as and as uh, Lila revealed, uh, all of these little rituals are basically just trying to like pad their records and stats. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but if a senior partner does manifest itself on Earth. Um, it can actually be killed. Yes. Um, he does. Uh, Lauren also says that uh, the. Um, he, sorry, it's so crazy. I'm looking at the bu- I'm looking at the Buffy wiki, and they're still referring to him as the host. I know. And, uh, <laughs> I'm really glad that we did get that bandaid off because it would have been so stressful in episodes like this. Um, he does hear other things, um, such as the bland. Bland. The Band of Blacknill and Home Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Home Office, we can only assume, is the headquarters of the evil yes. people in Wolfram and Hurt. Uh, Lauren also throws some serious shade towards uh, the direction of Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh yeah, that's right. And as a not a massive fan of uh, ALW, I, I appreciated it. I do not what? care for most of his. Here's work. a question: Why do people dislike Andrew Lloyd Webber? Because I, I, I like his work. I like a select few pieces of his work. Um, I like Evita, um, and I like Phantom of the Opera, um, and oh, there's one that's like a little more obscure. Um, Is that a it. forum? No, that's Forum is on time. The Forum is on time. Um, yeah. My problem with him is that I just find most of his stuff very empty. Oh, Sunset Boulevard I like. That's okay. the one I was thinking of. Um, I forgot he did that. Um, I, just, I don't know. I just find it devoid of any actual character or 
um, like I, I think he is a talented musician. Like, like, like I said, I do really enjoy those three, those three works. Um, and I even in pieces that I don't enjoy, I do find that there are there's music that I like from them. But I also feel like he, a lot of his music is written uh, towards a dollar sign. <laughs> Um, going for like popular mass yeah, appeal which is also there's nothing necessarily wrong with that i you know i don't i just i just don't like most of them that he writes um he also has a bit of a problem with some plagiarism uh um so that's not I guess great like, but I, I guess like um when i was kind of first learning about musical theater Andrew Lloyd Webber was always kind of like the gold standard um, because, you know, you hear about Phantom of the Opera and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar and um, and the, and uh, stuff like Evita and um, and even Cats. Mm-hmm. Um, That's another reason I hate him is Cats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at this point, like, I actually have never seen Cats on stage. I've only seen the terrible movie, I've which seen the movie. Here's the thing about that Cats movie. It actually is full of great performances oh, and sure. it both vocally and um, choreographically. Sure, uh, <laughs> I know. It's basically mean. full of good singing and dancing performances. They're fantastic. The problem is, is that it's just all got that awful coat of ugly CGI on it. And I get that they're trying to make it, like, as true to Weber's vision as possible. But I think if they had just had, like, makeup, like, gone all out on makeup and stuff and made it actually look like, you know, this is what it would look like on a Broadway stage. But if it had a giant stage and so much more money... yeah. I think that I think people would have given it less shit because of that. Probably. I mean, yeah, but and and it's like so uncanny. <laughs> yeah, cats is. Yeah. But anyway, like I said, I grew up kind of like thinking that uh, Weber was the was the gold standard because I feel like if you think of any modern musical, um, like if somebody just says name a modern musical, I think that you are very. I think that there might be a more than 40% chance that the first thing that will come to your head is Phantom of the Opera. Oh, totally. It's kind of like one of the big ones. And, uh, yeah, so it just, it was very strange that as I, like, once got older and started hanging out with more theater people, (laughs) um, I found out that, like, everybody in the theater respected and loved Stephen Sondheim, but there was a lot of shade thrown at Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Oh. I am not personally a fan. But, you know, also, no shade to people. I mean, I'll shade the man himself because also, just by all rights, he's a really fucking terrible person. Um, but, you know, if you, people who like his musicals, it's good for them. I like a couple of them, but overall, his works do nothing for me. Um, and Love Never Dies, aka the sequel to Phantom of the Opera, is one of the most batshit things ever mm-hmm. created. It's so fucked up. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, um, as Angel's about to leave, uh, Lord does say, "Oh yeah, one more thing. They all want to. Ki- they all want you to be dead." <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, 
We kind of knew that already. Yup. Uh, so Angel is like trying to find something to help him research these uh, terms that he heard uh, Lauren talk about. Uh, but um, Wesley took most of the books with him when they went to their new office. And so he... Fucking dick. Yeah, I... I... There isn't... You could have done this so much better. I feel like... I feel like if you'd have walked in and simply asked for the book and maybe even said, like, I'm sorry um, to like that you got hurt to Wesley, then maybe... Cordy wouldn't have been as mad at him and, uh, and, you know, he couldn't have made things worse. He made things worse yeah. because he walks in and just goes up to the bookcase, like doesn't even say anything to Angel or, or it doesn't say anything to Wes or Cordy and, um, and just like grabs the book. Cordelia and Cordelia, I mean, she doesn't help things either. She just like grabs like, no, I'm in the middle of reading this. Here, take, <laughs> take this and hands him the phone book. <laughs> Which is funny, but like, it's making, <laughs> Angel's making a bad situation worse. Cordy's just adding fuel to the fire. And, um, and like Cordelia, but yeah, Cordelia's not going to like budge. Um, she's being like, she's being a little petty. I don't blame her for... Yeah. Like, the way that Angel's acting and Wesley, like, just kind of stands up and is like, look, take the book and leave. Yeah. And so he does. There's, yeah, there's no world where Angel, even if Angel had done this the right way, like, I see Cordelia probably still acting the way she does. And while Wesley's the more level-headed one. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's just, he's just, his pride is so much right now. Yeah. He cannot admit how poorly he's treated them. Yeah, and it's because I think if he if he can admit that to himself, he can admit that everything else he's doing is really shitty too, mm -hmm. and he he can't do that right now. And here's the reason why all of this like discourages me. One, I mean, I uh, you obviously love it when all your main when all your main characters are getting along, but two, anytime this happens, and uh, like if one of your main characters, um gets at odds with the other main characters in your uh, group, then it basically, what must follow is eventually things will work out, but they basically have to do like a whole segment of mea culpa. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the longer that you're a dick to somebody, the longer the mea culpa has to be. Um, obviously, like, Angel Investigations will get back together. Mild spoiler mm -hmm. alert there. Um... But, uh, I mean, we, you see this happen in so many TV shows. You've seen it happen in Buffy. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to see it happen again in both Buffy and Angel. Uh, you know, because like, these people are terrible at communicating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, character drama is a huge thing, um, especially for uh, shows on the WB. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's, like, kind of cranked up to 11 on the CW. Uh, but yeah, and uh, so Angel leaves with the book, um, 
And he does say that he'll force Cordy out of his way if he has to. Do you believe that? No. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, I think like, that I, is one line he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Yeah, be I think. Um, yeah, I. I definitely think that if Cordy had called his bluff, then he would have just stormed out mm-hmm. and would have headed to uh, to the to like that bookseller anyway. Yeah, agreed. Um, but uh, like it, and uh, I don't know. Maybe that would have improved his standing just a little bit, Maybe. but. Uh, yeah, Wes is just like, no, let's let's get this over with. Also, Wes does rip his stitches yeah. in the process of doing this. Oh, um, It's like, and uh, he tries to tell Cordelia, Cordelia while she's very pissed off. Cordelia, call an ambulance. Yeah. Um, I just have this, have this mental image, though, of Angel just, like, lifting Cordelia and just, like, setting her to the side um because he could like pretty easily so uh i feel like probably even david could lift charisma pretty easily and just set her aside so i actually do remember um like uh at one of my old places that i worked at um a girl that i worked with who's like who's still a good friend of mine uh i actually just saw her the other day um and uh it was it was like our old our old work group getting together and having a good time um i I had a good weekend i had a good memorial day weekend how about you harrison it was fine yeah but uh i i remember specifically one instance where um like i'm trying to get i was trying to get something that i needed in the lab and she was like she just happened to be standing there and i'm like oh excuse me i gotta grab this and she's like and what if i don't move and so I literally just like picked her up and moved her aside because she's very tiny and I grabbed what I needed and then went back to my place and she's like, she just had this look on her face like, what just happened? And I made sure to like, when I did pick her up and move her, like I did not like do it in anywhere. I was like touching anywhere that like I shouldn't have been touching or whatever, but like it was like she was just laughing about it. and she still brings it up to this day she's like god i'll never forget that time where you like legit just picked me up like i was nothing and put me aside nice, <laughs> nice. um yeah now let's uh let's go to kate oh kate um so she's basically they're leveling all this stuff against her not only just the incidents of the last angel episode and the zombie cops, but also that um, she is not the cop that she once was. Um, she's isolated herself. She's um, become obsessed with cases involving the macabre. Uh, so I love that when they drop that word. Yeah, it's a good word. Um, and uh, and they're like, and one person does suggest that possibly the death of her father triggered like this emotional response they're not wrong (laughs) yeah um it's a bit of a simplification but but, well the thing is though is that kate became obsessed with this stuff when she found out that angel was a vampire yeah hell she became obsessed with it even when she first started working with angel um maybe not obsessed with it but she gave him more of a priority. Yeah. When she did find out that Angel was a vampire, that's when I think she started really getting into this. Mm-hmm. And, and it only intensified when Trevor died. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. And uh, 
Just one more time for old time's sake. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the arms that really gets me. Um, um, but yeah, and so the but there and uh, they basically say that like, um, look, um, Kate points out like you guys are firing me, and they're like, well, we want you to get help, and there is like um, counseling as part of your severance package, which. I mean, that's good that that's included in the severance package. Um, Feels I, like it should also be included as part of the, the job. health insurance. Also, um, just generally, it should be accessible to everyone, yeah. regardless of income status or employment. Yeah. Mean, that's a big problem in our country, one of many. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's not uh, dwell. Uh, let's <laughs> not. Uh, but yeah, they do say that um, she has to turn in her badge and gun, and she's just so... Because, like, she couldn't... There's one point where she does say, you have no idea what's out there. And um, they're like, Kate, be careful what you say next. Um, and so she just kind of is resigned to it. But there's this asshole on the board. And he starts off by saying, um, at the beginning of the interview, he's like, um, when they ask her, like, hey, do you have any comments on this? He says, like, for God's, Kate, for God's sake, Kate, say something. And... I guess like what I initially thought was he valued her as an as a as an officer and like wanted her to like at least put up a fight. But then as she's leaving, he says he says, I'm just glad that your father isn't alive to see this. What a fucking piece yeah. of shit. So Don't ever have... say anything like that to anyone yes. under any circumstances. Yes. But also I have this rule. And I, and I have it, I have developed it because I have experienced it and it literally did not help me at all. It only made me feel like more shit. I never try to kick somebody when they're down, Mm -hmm. like ever. Like I, if I want to point out somebody's shit, um, like if somebody's like doing something that I'm not a huge fan of, even if it's somebody that I really care about, I try to like let them know, um, if they're going through some other stuff and I don't know about it, then like, okay, I'm sorry for piling on that. But if I can legit see that they are in crisis, I'm not going, or like they're just feeling terrible about something that they're going to do. I'm not going to like add on to that mm-hmm. fire because that doesn't do anything. That just makes you feel worse. Yeah. And, and like maybe like a, a sort of like tangent of that. I never give somebody shit when they're drunk. Like, <laughs> No, like, um, if somebody, if one of my friends is, like, puking their guts out into a toilet, um, even if they have, like, a, even if they may have, like, a drinking problem or something, or, like, we're worried about it, I'm not going to say to them, like, as they have their head in a toilet and they're vomiting up, like, what they've been drinking, I'm not going to say, like, look, you really need to, like, get your shit together. I'm going to, like, help them, wait for them to recover, and then talk to them about it. Because, one... They're not going to be that receptive in this state anyway. But yeah. also, like, again, I don't want to kick people while they're down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's that. And, like, I... And I... Uh, what? I don't know. <laughs> I just... No, no. I'm sorry. I was just thinking... I agree with you. And I'm not necessarily very good at that. No, because I'm like a little vindictive. The, no, I have yeah. a lot of vindictive. 
Um, I, and I, I, I recognizing that as a character flaw. I, I, and I feel not, like er, I feel like I used to be as well, but I guess after having like experienced it a few times, I kind of like come to the conclusion that like, hey, this isn't great. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's just what this guy does to Kate. I mean, she's clearly already, you know. She feels like shit. She yeah. just lost the job that she's been doing. Like it's been her identity. It, yeah, it's this has been her life, and like not and not only do you bring up like the one person whose opinion that she would have cared about, but it's also like he's dead. Like she's still dealing with that. You just had a meeting where you think that the reason that she's <laughs> going through all of this is because of her dad dying, and so you decide to say something that shitty, mm -hmm. that horrible. Like, I mean, we thought that Angel did was, like, a huge asshole for what he just did <laughs> in um, in the new Angel Investigations. Oh, my God, is yeah. this guy... Like, I want to punch that guy right yeah. in the face. Well, and there's serious consequences for what he says, as we're going to see later. Mm -hmm. And, obviously, I'm not going to put how Kate reacts to this entirely on this one man and that one comment. But certainly didn't fucking help. Yeah. Like... That's just, that's just what stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like... And you can see it sting her as she's leaving. Yeah. It's just like she's already feeling everything piled onto her. And then there's such a nasty comment to just put it right back on there. Mm -hmm. But uh, now we have Angel going back to a certain bookstore Yay. that he may have visited when he first went to the Hyperion 50 years ago in the episode Are You Now? Or have you ever been? Such a good episode. A, a favorite of Harrison's. Oh, I love it. Um, and, this is also uh, a favorite of mine, though. Like this. No, no, this episode's fucking good. Th yeah, it is. Um, it. Spoiler: It's gonna get a high score. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, he. Yeah. So um, he is trying to find out about the senior partner because the book that he found didn't help. Um, or the book that he stole, saying, the, bo the book. found, the book that he took from from uh, Wes and Cordy did not help. Um, but yeah, uh, Denver, the bookseller, is still there. Still there. Yeah, and um, he says books. Yeah, and he says that the reason that he stuck with this for so long is because his life was kind of changed when he saw Angel, a vampire, mm -hmm. wanting to help humans. Um, against a demon that's hurting them. Are you listening, Angel? Yeah. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not. <sighs> um, you gorgeous imbecile. He does take the. Uh, he does kind of take it the wrong way though, because he, like Denver, obviously doesn't know what Angel ended up doing yeah. fifty years ago. That's true. Um, but uh, Denver does is able to give Angel information that um, the. The senior partner has to wear a ring. This is the Band of Black Nil. Mm -hmm. um, in order to enter into this world, in, into our plane. And um, it's very likely that it is a Klanak demon. Um, I can't remember if I'm pronouncing this correctly or not. Like, uh, I, I watched that's the, right. Yeah, we watched the episode. We both watched the episode yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, so normally we record these right after we <laughs> watch it. But. Uh, uh, I'm actually kind of glad because I've had time to sit on this and yeah. come at it with a more level head. Um, I also spent, like, I watched this episode and then spent, like, five hours in my cousin's pool. Um, so when we got home, I was like, I'm so fucking excited. 
exhausted. (laughs) Emotionally, (laughs) physically. Um, And uh, he says that um, people have tried to kill the Klanak demon and um, like swords, all types of weapons don't work on it. Which is a little bit of a nod to the judge from Surprise in Buffy. And of course... This is not the only reference we'll get to surprise uh, in this episode. This episode does not fall in the exact same place in the season as surprise. I looked this up earlier. I was really hoping they did. This is episode 15. That was episode 13. Mm. I was bummed. I was like, no, the symmetry would have been amazing. I needed it. <laughs> um, but yes, there is a special magic glove that, uh, believe it or not... Denver has. He got it at a yard sale. It's convenient, but it's fine. Like, I'll allow it. So much stuff happens in this episode. I don't... We don't need him going off on a quest to find this Exactly. And also, we find out in the end, it doesn't really matter too much. Right. Uh, Oh, but that is actually, though, um, not necessarily a callback to Surprise, but still a callback to that arc. Where they're like, oh, we need an orb of Thessala. And Giles is just like, oh, I've got one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I got it in a bargain. Got a bargain sale. Yeah, as a paperweight. paperweight. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of little fun. Uh, but, yeah, and Denver's like, yeah, Denver is. Oh, that's is... why it's called Reprise. Okay, everyone else already knew that, and I just figured it out. Right, wait a minute, are you, like, literally just putting that together? Yeah. I've always been like, I I thought you told me last week when we were talking about this episode in particular, that like, oh yeah, and a lot of the stuff mirrors surprise, like the ending of the episode mirrors the ending of surprise. That's why it's called reprise. Wow. So somehow I forgot that. You forgot. (laughs) (laughs) You literally forgot. Wow. Holy shit. (laughs) Well, Harrison, um. You're about to turn 30. Uh, <laughs> Hateful! Hateful! I, I mean, when you reach your old age, sometimes your mind starts to go. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> I just because I love. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and like Denver's like really excited. He's like, here, I want you to take this because, you know, I know you're going to do good with it. What are you laughing at? I'm laughing because Darla's death. Yeah, unfortunately. I'm sorry. I don't know why it's so funny, but it's like such an earnest moment. And Darla's like, "Fuck this shit." Yeah, Darla does um, s- stab like stab Denver with a sword that goes through him and goes right into Angel as well. Yeah, because Angel like moves towards him to try to help, and Darla, I do love Darla. Is just like, oh yes, move. Toward the dying mortal with a sword through him. But yeah, and uh, Angel is um, yeah, Darla. What we didn't what we didn't talk about at the end of her scene with uh, Lindsay mm. is that um, she did in fact like want to know what was going on at Wolferman Heart. So she just like went into Lindsay's papers while Lindsay was in the shower, yeah. nude. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we don't know that for a fact. He could be a never nude. But he doesn't strike me as a never nude. He doesn't strike me as a never nude, but there's there's always the possibility. (laughs) I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying I think he is. I'm just saying there's always the chance. (laughs) 
I don't know why that felt like a really important point to make. All but... I can think of is like, um, obviously, when you think of uh, Never News, you think of Arrested Development, Tobias in particular. But I think of the uh, guy who's making like the Girls Gone Wild videos. Um, wasn't that Zach Braff? Or am I? Oh. In, in, like the, in the, Arrested Development. Yes, I was like, no. In Arrested <laughs> Development. Yes, I um, think it is Zach Braff. Yeah, yes. but the, and then like, uh, and then because uh, he's also a never dude, isn't he? Yeah, no, that and that was like, I love that because like Lindsay just goes on like, well, let's see how you feel when you're put on display and just pulls his pants down <laughs> and he's wearing the cutoffs and she's like, you're a fucking never dude. <laughs> oh my gosh. Need to rewatch seasons one through three of Arrested Development. Yeah, it's, it's a that, that is near like, perfect television. It really is near perfect television. Like and yeah, and you can. I'm not one of those people that said, "Oh, they never made extra seasons because they did make two additional seasons." But you don't have to watch them. Yeah, like you can get the whole Arrested Development experience just from those three seasons. Indeed, um, indeedly do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> indeedly do. <laughs> Different show. <laughs> um yeah darla takes the glove um so she obviously wants some revenge on these on wolfram and hart as well i don't exactly know what she's gonna do if she's just going to kill the senior partner or if she wants the ring if she wants that band as well Mm. um but yeah she's going there to like cause some like cause some some trouble yeah cause a ruckus yeah actually it's it's a little difficult just because we haven't spent any time with her since the fire (laughs) Um, you know, she was building an army. She wanted to be a major player. Yeah. So I can see her, you know, maybe it's like 40% revenge, 60% power play, you know. Um, I think there's room for both in Darla's Wicked Heart. Darla's Wicked Heart. That sounds like a, like a... Well, it sounds like I, a I vampire think, romance novel. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds like uh, an emo punk song. Yeah, I I think either one of those would. Be I'd listen to it. I I, you know what I, I, emo it like uh, I'm into some it, it maybe music. uses like a derogative term by some. Yeah. I love me some emo me rock too. Um, like give me some My Chemical Romance. I was saying we were in middle and high school at a very specific period <laughs> of time. The thing is, though, is that I really didn't get into it in like until uh, uh, college because during uh, middle and high school and even grade school, I was mostly listening to what my parents listened to. That's fair. Uh, so a lot of my classic rock and uh, a lot of my classic rock de- love developed then. Um, and uh, Wes is a. Uh, with Virginia after having his uh, after having his stitches redone, and um, he she's like you know I hate that you have to like go out against all this stuff and he's like well you know what I'm going up against she's like yeah but I was raised with it and so I know like sorcerers and magic and monsters but guns they're mm-hmm. like they're too real and uh, she's like can't you just give it up and he's like no I don't think I can. And that's when she decides that um, she is going to break up with him. Yeah. Um, which, like, I, I don't hate how this goes. Yeah. Um, I, I like, like Virginia, so I'm yeah. bummed. But, like, yeah, no, but I like, think it, her reasoning is yeah, solid. It doesn't feel unnatural for the character. And I feel like maybe if Virginia had been utilized a little more, I would have felt that this was just, like, out of nowhere mm-hmm. or um, too abrupt. But I feel like this is the right departure for 
Virginia, given the amount that she is used. Right. She was never intended to be a long-term love interest. Yeah. Although I, I, I am curious about a version of this show where she does is become like a long, like a recurring character or potentially a main character. Um, yeah, and that's more I just mean, a thought experiment that I like to do sometimes. Yeah, and like it wouldn't hurt the show to get a little more uh, female, <laughs> main, get a few more female main yeah. characters. But um, th- what works for me is that it's the guns. If it had just been some random like demon or whatever, that would have been... It's business as usual. Yeah, exactly. That would have felt wrong so false, especially since... Virginia grew up around all that stuff. You know, um, I would have been like, oh, they just needed to write her off. The fact that it is that Wesley was shot and then later, like, the stitches reopened, um, that kind of ripple effect of things feels natural. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Virginia, we loved you. We loved your Bernadette Peters hair. Um, and we and you were just like will really miss pretty. you. Very pretty, yeah. very uh, spunky, mm-hmm. very smart. We we uh, uh, very rich. <laughs> okay. That's why Cordy loved her. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to you know pull in everyone's reasons for liking Virginia. Um, and so we will miss you. And so Bridget Branagh, yeah, yeah, you will go on to be a mom on Runaways and the funniest of the parents on that show. Um, so she was like the kooky scientist. Uh, Kate goes to her apartment and, um, as the Buffy wiki says, immediately sets about getting drunk. Um, yeah, she just reaches for the vodka mm-hmm. and I don't blame her. Yeah. Um, cause shit, man, I, I do my best when I've had a rough day not to like immediately go to liquor, but mm-hmm. sometimes man, it sucks. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and she just, it's, and she, she pours herself a very healthy glass and downs it in one and yeah, then and, pours and, and another. Then she, well, I mean, and she sees that um, this, like, shelf of all of her honors that she's had as while she's been a cop, again, illustrating that this has been her identity. This has mm-hmm. been her modus operandi or raison d'etre, whatever you say. And, um, and it doesn't mean anything anymore because all she was trying to do... Um, granted, like, don't agree with a lot of her decisions, but in the end, what she was trying to do was be a good cop in this mm-hmm. crazy world. Yeah. Throws them all to the ground and then sees the picture of her and her father. And it's, and yeah, she just yeah. breaks down. Yeah. I just um, feel so bad for it. Cause like you said, she's trying to be a good cop and being a good cop is... Pretty yeah, fucking get... difficult in the yeah. best of circumstances. Rest, uh, R.I.P. Matt Ehrmantraut. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on to all this other stuff. catch up on Better Call Saul. Yeah. It's been um, good. But, uh, yeah. Um, by the way, it's like a mild spoiler for Better Call Saul. You never actually meet Matt Ehrmantraut. I was going to say, that's not a spoiler. That's like the whole backstory for Mike's character, even back does, on Breaking does he, Bad. Does he say that in Breaking Bad? I think so. I just I just remember the specific scene where he's telling his daughter-in-law what exactly happened, like yeah. how it went down. Uh, that, that might be information we get on Better Call Saul, but like the fact that his son was a cop who was killed, I think, was okay. bre- Breaking Bad information. The Better Call Saul then mm-hmm. took and uh, I clearly I, I just think. Need, clearly it's I just need to watch, rewatch Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh no, no. twist your arm! Yeah, um, yeah, 
and Wes and Cordelia are talking on the phone. Um, they're not feeling great because, uh, well, that um, Cordy's so mad about at Angel that she's uh, not even saying his name properly. <laughs> he He's the phone. Uh, investigations. <laughs> what was that? I love that so much. Um, and uh, and yeah, both of them kind of feel directionless at the moment um, after what happened with uh, mm-hmm. the Sharps and with Angel. And, uh, but, like, Cordelia's like, hey, you know, you take your time, Wes, like, just spend some time with Virginia, and, mm-hmm. uh, she isn't aware, and Wesley does not make her aware. Um, Cordelia is about to leave the office, she gets a call from Mrs. Sharp, and she's saying, like, oh, if you come over, um, I'll pay you guys, sorry about that, she's like, oh, alright, I'm on my way, like, you're right on my way home, 30 Dreamer miles. Take 30 <laughs> miles, oh, LA. Uh, Yeah. Um, but That's the thing about living out, in a city like Louisville is like out of your way, like out of your way is like a mile, like in a city like this. Whereas, like, you know, you 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 think it's funny, but um, you say that, but I I feel like I've found several times when there are two places that I want to go to. I want to like stop at one place before I go to another place, but they happen to like one is on Hurstbourne. Like, one is on Hurstbourne near St. Matthew's, and the other one is, like, near the Gene Snyder. So it's, like, opposite ends of town. Yeah. But even opposite ends of town here is, like, 20 minutes, at 30 minutes maybe. To yeah. The traffic's not great. I feel like you say something like that. Oh, it's like, oh, I needed to go from this store to this store. I just decided not to because it was a 20-minute drive. Someone in L.A. would be like, fuck you. That's, that's <laughs> true because, um, yeah, the traffic is infamously horrible yeah. in L.A., um, I don't know what what traffic would have been like at this time of day compared to rush hour, but I mean, LA has a hopping nightlife, yeah. so people are out for that too. Um, but yeah, it turns out that uh, Mrs. Sharp was being threatened by a demon, and uh, that demon has already killed the Sharp family. And as soon as uh, Cordelia says that she's on her way, Miss Sharp hangs up the phone and is then killed by the demon. R.I.P. Mrs. Sharp. You know... Uptight bitch. I feel bad for uh, Stephanie Sharp. Yeah. Stephanie Sharp didn't deserve... Hashtag justice for Stephanie Sharp. She didn't deserve to have shitty parents. I mean, they probably would have been killed anyway, but... Then we get probably the uh, the funniest moment of the episode, which we need because it was about to get real fucking dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lila is um, arriving uh, at the front of Wolfram and Hart for the... Uh, welcoming of the reviewer and she has two guys with her and she's like stay close and angel immediately <laughs> bashes the hell out of them and she looks says like oh, i knew you were a waste of money <laughs> so much <laughs> He's like, oh, not using the garage parking anymore? He's like, well, it's not safe because you you crept into my car. Uh, um, but yeah, and uh, he wants Lila to help him get inside. And uh, he does, like, at first seem like he's threatening to cut off her hand. He's like, I want, what do you want from me? Like, the same thing I wanted from Lindsay holds up her hand. But he just, like, puts her <laughs> hand up against the like, Yeah. She gets the thumbprint on the uh, elevator so that he can get up there. And uh, she's like, you know, they're going to detect you the minute that you come in. He's like, I don't care. Yeah, he's like, fuck it. Yeah. I got my glove. I'm good. To- <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't have the glove yet. Darla has Darla's the glove. Darla's got so. it. But he does have something to use against Darla. Um, 
So, um, Angel's just kind of, uh, and, uh, yeah, they, they rolled out the uh, pentagram carpet for this. That really did look like it was a pentagram carpet that they have, like, in storage for when this happens. I mean, it would make sense. You don't want to have to go about repainting it, paint mm-hmm. back over it. Yeah. You know, you want We had the pentagram here, like, in this conference room, but now we need it in conference room C. I feel like, like you know, I it guess, seems, it's practical. Yeah, it yeah. I guess, I guess Willow, maybe Willow should, like, invest in one of those um, for her spells. <laughs> then again, like, I don't know if she uses different patterns or not, so maybe she doesn't just exclusively use a pentagram. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, pentagrams are more kind of, like, satanic in nature. Uh, what's the name of, never mind, I found it, Nathan Reed, their new boss. Oh, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't remember um, his name But was. yeah, and, uh, he, like, doesn't, he, he actually wonders where Lila is, and Lynn's like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, just the level of hatred that these, Lila and Lindsay have for each other is delicious. <laughs> and the fact that they are, like, Forced to work together for literally for their own survival. I love it so much. Um, the uh, security obviously does pick out Angel, and um, it obviously does detect a vampire in the building. And I think Lindsay just kind of immediately thinks that it's going to be Angel, and he looks and he looks and sees him. Angel like uh, Angel kind of makes his way through the crowd, though he sees. Um, he sees a uh, a brunette, a brunette in a which turns out to be a a poor wig, and uh, pulls it off, pulls her weave right off, and, uh, and my suspicions were raised yes. when I saw him walking towards a brunette, and it was of course it yeah. was a blonde, <laughs> and it was Darla, and the um he has a thing he has like a little jar of holy water and he just smashes it on her, and it's like vampire, and so like, oh vampire. Ah! <laughs> Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, the, right then the senior partner does materialize. And uh, Angel um, is able to get the glove from Darla and uh, tackles the senior partner. And apparently like, all you have to do is make contact with the glove and they just yeah, vaporize. Like um, yeah, and then uh, Angel like falls through, falls out the window and falls to the ground. Um, Angel... Messy, dramatic little bitch. <laughs> what a drama queen! What a meanwhile, fucking drama queen. Meanwhile, uh, Lila sees that the that Darla is there, and uh, she's got a lot of security guard like security guards that are about to stake her. And Lila is no love loss. She just says, "Stake the bitch, stake the bitch," and, and Lizzie punches Lizzie her in the face. her in the face. Oh, <laughs> not promoting violence against women. <laughs> Lindsay They're bad just... people doing bad things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like this is not the worst thing that each of that either of them has done. Yeah, but Darla um, is able to get away, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Angel hits the ground, and uh, he sees that uh, fortunately the ring is still there. Uh, there's like a homeless guy who's like kind of looking like, "Whoa, dude!" <laughs> <laughs> and um, here we go. Yeah. One so, of the probably, like, yeah, top ten the, scene of yeah, the show. I'll agree. Um, I actually did not realize that, because I've only seen, like, 
most of these episodes once. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that this was the this was the episode with this scene. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's. Let's describe the scene yeah. and then we'll talk okay. about it. All right, <laughs> I'm getting Angel, ahead of myself. Angel I'm just so does put, Angel does put on the ring because he wants to go to the home office and um, fuck some shit up. Yeah, and basically what Denver had come to surmise was that he was planning on going to hell where all the senior partners are and he wanted to just take them all out Mm -hmm. and angel so angel like puts on the ring and a an elevator door is open and there we see holland manners good old sam anderson yep angel doesn't really angel looks and is like you should be dead he's like oh i am see (laughs) points at the uh points at the uh bite marks from darla and uh he's like and he's like, no, I'm not a ghost either. Just me being dead. Um, my uh, my my contract with uh, with Wolfram and Hart extends well past my life. A little interesting detail there that I love. Yeah, no, um, it's it's really good. Um, and uh, he's but yeah, he doesn't seem to stop Angel in any way. In fact, he says like, come on, like you want to go to the home office? It's a long way down. And he presses just the down button yep. on the elevator. And um, Angel does take one last look at the lobby of Wolfram and Hart. Because um, Holland does say, and Angel kind of already assumed, this is going to be a one-way trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, so ele- and Angel's like, just do it. Because he's ready to like sacrifice himself to take down Wolfram and Hart. And... Um, and so the elevator begins to descend. And uh, Holland says, um, yeah, he just wants to know like what Angel's plan is. And he's like, what, you're just going to go down there and kill the senior partners, cut off Wolfram and Hart's head at the sort, like cut it off at the head? It's like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> he's like, and um, he, it seems like he's just doing this to do it. But then that's when Holland brings up the Shanshu prophecy. He's like, well, wait a minute. Wasn't there like a prophecy about, a, you know, you were in it? And uh, what were you supposed to do? Pre- preventing something, right? It's like an apocalypse. It's like, ah, yeah, another one of those. <laughs> I love, that is one thing that I absolutely love about Buffy and Angel. The fact that the word apocalypse is thrown around so, yeah, so beautifully. Um think one of my favorite lines uh like my two favorite uses of like the casual casualness of apocalypse comes from a season six episode of buffy a certain Mm -hmm. one that i'm sure harrison knows what i'm referring to i do and a season five episode of angel uh where angel's discussing with another character uh just like oh you know i mean yeah apocalypse i've I've stopped it before i want to stop more (laughs) uh i'm also going to throw out uh this one few times i'm gonna ever give riley some credit he has a line about uh suddenly i have to know the plural of apocalypse (laughs) i always did did like that line (laughs) i forgot about that um and uh and yeah and like even if uh and uh he's like you know if you did stop an apocalypse like if you had like stuck around and tried to stop an apocalypse think of all the people that you would have saved of course then they would have been afraid of the next apocalypse and uh but yeah and like angel looks and says like you won't win and 
that's when Holland looks at him and is like, win? We don't win. <laughs> we're fucking not, fool. We're not playing a game here. And uh, that's when... Um, and he's like... Uh, yeah, Holland, I'll, I'll, say, I'll just like read what it has here. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel responds that he has no intention of letting Wolfram and Hart win. And Holland remarks that they don't plan to do anything as simple as winning, which... For the first time in their conversation, this catches Angel's attention. The vampire asks why they fight when they're not concerned with victory. And that's when Holland says that it's not, there's no fight. We're not fighting. So if you don't fight, you don't win. And um, because Wolfram and Hart has always been there. They were there in uh, the Crusades. They were there mm-hmm. in the... Uh, like the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. I think the Inquisition. The Inquisition, that's what it was, yeah. And when the first caveman murdered the second caveman, Wolfram and Hart was there. And this starts to get Angel really Ooh, worried. I would have um, loved an, a Cain and Abel reference here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and he says that... Um, and he basically says that... Uh, Evil, since the beginning of life, evil has existed in the hearts of humans. And as long as that evil exists, Wolfram and Hart will be there and can never be destroyed. That's when the elevator comes to the stop and says, here's the home office. And it's literally the exact scene, the exact location that Angel just left. Mm -hmm. So... He finally, I think at this point is when he finally, like everybody says the Wolfram and Hart is evil, but I think they were using that as, you know, a way to describe Wolfram and Hart. It's like, oh yeah, they're an evil law firm. But no, Wolfram and Hart is in fact evil. Capital E. Yeah, it is the evil. And an angel now comes to realize that. He realizes that this fight that he is going that he has been devoting all this time to and sacrificing everything including the friendships with those he like was the closest with it's kind of all been in a losing struggle because mm-hmm. evil isn't something that can be the idea of you can defeat evil beings um you can stop some of Wolfram and Hart's evil plans but as long as people have the have the ability to choose good or evil this may sound incredibly cynical incredibly cynical of me but i think it fits the scene well mm-hmm. there will be people who choose evil yeah so evil is always going to be present and wolfram and hart remarks on how their strength their existence comes from these people that angel's trying to save yeah and it breaks angel like he we literally get like some scene like the glove falls off his hand and he just leaves he just walks out of the elevator he's walking and Holland's just like bye (laughs) he's walking through the streets he sees um he sees uh he just sees these people and like it looks like a lot of them are up to kind of like no good and Mm -hmm. it's true like Angel Angel can fight as many demons as he wants but he can't fight evil itself yeah um and uh yeah he's it's like all these sacrifices i made just don't seem like they were for nothing um he gets to the hotel 
uh, Kate uh, is calling him. Uh, the answer machine picks it up. And, uh, yeah, she's just like, um, oh, yeah, I'm killing myself. And yeah. Angel doesn't care. He mutes it. Because she's got a bottle of pills. Yeah. And her bottles of alcohol. And and she wants to blame him. But then she's also like, yeah, I kind of blame myself, too. Because um, I tried to care. And Angel tried to care, too. Yeah. Um, and look where it got us. Like, yeah. rock bottom. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have more to say about this elevator scene when we get to the next episode where mm-hmm. we're going to just, it's, you know, the fallout from it happens. But I, it is one of the most important scenes of the show. It, it, that scene and then some of the stuff in the next episode set up what is the theme of the show, which we'll talk about in the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people have problems with, um, the final episode of Angel, I this is the episode and this is the scene that I refer them back to to be like, actually, Angel could not have ended any other way than it, the way it does. Yeah, it's, and this it's scene never, right here It's is, a never-ending fight. Yeah. Um, and uh, what Angel has done wrong in this is... Like, going up against Wolfram and Hart is not a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. But what he's done wrong in this is made that his entire being. Mm-hmm. And literally the entire point, uh, that like, what Doyle tried to stress to him, what the powers of B have tried to stress to him, is that you need to be... You, need, you can't just save humanity in the background. Mm-hmm. You have to connect with humanity. You have to, like, be a part of these people that you're trying to save. He, he, like, pretty much, like, excised that part out of him. Mm -hmm. And now he finds himself up against this unbeatable foe. And, like, he's given up his reason for... He's given up the only reason that was worth fighting for. Yeah. And, uh, and this, like, leads him into the despair. Um, Kate's in despair as well because, I mean, she's kind of experiencing something fairly similar. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and to a lesser extent, n- not as focused uh, on it, but Wesley Gunn and Cordelia are yeah. in the same boat, um, through no actions of their own. It's Angel's actions have pushed them into these, this kind of like rock bottom situations mm-hmm. that they're in. And I think they're also starting to realize that, um, Angel was kind of what brought them together. Mm-hmm. And there's an aspect of Angel, even if like you take away all of his like all of his other good qualities, mm-hmm. that uh they needed that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can do a case by case basis, but I mean, it doesn't really feel like you're fighting the big fight. Right. Um, they've been kind of like he removed them from the big fights. Yeah. I mean, um, notice how Cordy hasn't had a vision yeah. in quite some time mm-hmm. uh and so then angel gets upstairs and sees that darla is there and um he's like he's ready to feel something anything and starts kissing darla darla's like oh don't trick me and um she like pushes him away and he throws her through a door mm-hmm. and then they get into some of the roughest sex that you will see in either show. Yeah. Maybe rivaled by 
one scene in Buffy. Um, mm. we'll, we'll I don't know. That. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and like while this is happening, like honestly, there's a part of me that would think that uh, you know if you ignore the uh, if you ignore like the whole uh, world falling in around you sort of thing, this would kind of be hot. But that is immediately taken away when he just, like, tosses Darla yeah. through the door. That is, I mean, I don't want to kink shame here, but that was... It's rough. That was that was And not, like, watch. yeah, when I say that's rough, I don't mean, like, ooh, it's rough. I'm like, it's yeah, rough. Yeah, it was but very like, tough to watch. But there's also just that layer of it, though, with, with Darla in particular and their relationship that they have is that sex and violence... Yeah, has always been interconnected with these two people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's like it's fucked up, but also there's a part of it where when he does that, Darla seems to have that moment of like, there he is, there's, there's my, boy. my boy, yeah, um, uh, that's who I've been yes. trying to bring back. And but yes, they do have very rough sex. Mm. Um, you get this little kind of montage of. Kate, um, Cordy, Wes, and Angel, and like you see them all like kind of at just at these low points, mm-hmm. and uh, a storm crashes outside. Angel wakes up, and he starts breathing heavily, and has a look of horror on his face, very similar to the end of Surprise when he has sex with Buffy, and proceeds to lose his soul what will happen in what will happen this time you have to wait a week yeah <laughs> no, you have to wait two weeks well back in 2000 they had to wait a week yeah uh oh, but um, yes our listeners yeah, have to we wait got two a weeks. whole we got a whole another thing to deal with next week yeah um but yeah and that is the end of the episode also uh, one note this is the final time that we will see sam anderson as holland manners mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i I had just completely forgotten about just how good he was in this. Oh, good. In this. And, like, I don't... I feel like I haven't seen him in... I'm pretty sure he's had, like, bit parts in TV shows around, like, around that time. I mean, it seems like everybody who's a guest star or a recurring character on Angel has been on, like, mm-hmm. five other shows, at least, that you've seen and heard of. But, uh, yeah, the two... The two... Um, the two like roles I feel like are his biggest are this and Bernard and Lost. Yeah, and I love just how crazy distinct they are from each other. He's right, fantastic actor. Really kind of gives me the vibes of um Brian Cranston in his role, like obviously as Walter White in Breaking Bad, but compare that to his role as Hal in Malcolm in the yeah. Middle. Yeah, like a tremendous range, and um, yeah, just the subtleties in the depiction of Holland Manners is so good. Yeah. And I love that, like, he's who we get for this absolutely pivotal moment. Kind of, like, maybe, like, a maybe not a turning point for the show, but probably, like, one of the... I'd say this is as big of a moment for Angel as Becoming was for Buffy. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. It um, it really establishes, um, uh, it's it's establishing you know what the rest of the show is going to be. 
um, and where Angel as a character is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is a moment for Angel where he really has to make a choice about what the direction of his life is going to is going to take. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is reprise. Yes. Um, I mean, five out of five. Yeah. I, I can't, I like, this is, we've had beautiful, wonderful, horrifying moments in this arc and of angel going up against Wolfram and Hart. And it's kind of all led to this moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue that, uh, angel, um, setting Drusilla and Darla loose on the senior partners was like one of those mic drop moments. And then the episode after that, where he doesn't say anything is a mic drop moment. But this is like, this is what we have been building up to. Mm. And it is, oh my gosh, it's, it, it's heartbreaking. It's like a whole different kind of existential dread than what we're about to get in Buffy. And, uh, yeah, it just really just shows how, and I feel like this is, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. This is a story that only would have worked on Angel. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that it's been told, it would have only worked on Angel. And I like that they're able to tell stories like this. That's why I love Angel so much, because it's not not just Buffy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Um, no. I agree with you. You know, Buffy does what it does extremely well. Yeah. Um, And Angel takes that idea in this world um, and tells stories that make sense for this character and you know and does it extremely well and i think that um as much as i love buffy this is one of the storylines this is one of the angel storylines that and there are a few storylines in angel in the angel series as a whole that i would put above almost all the storylines in buffy Mm -hmm. that being said um I've had a lot of fun revisiting season five of Buffy and the storylines are definitely like kind of, I'm giving more thought and appreciation to them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I still think that becoming and the Angelus arc is, uh, the gold standard, but I think this arc of angel, it's hard to say if it's the gold standard for angel because there are a couple of other storylines that are just really, really good coming up but uh this is this might be top three storylines what's so great about this too is that it is taking essentially what the storyline of buffy what season two was with angelus but like because we are you know of the season our villain this uh, thus far has been angel himself yeah and and not angelus and not angelus so yeah taking that like you know Season two of Buffy was Angel losing his soul, and season two of Angel has been Angel losing his humanity. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? What is the difference? And um, um, so yeah, it's great. This yeah, I agree. Five out of five for me. Um, everything is clicking in this episode. Um, I think the only thing yeah. that just the only thing that I notice is the lack of gun. Yeah. Um, and. I can see how he doesn't necessarily fit into it, but I also feel like maybe Cordelia, um, her role is minor enough Mm -hmm. that, um, you could have had her and Gunn doing something together, maybe. 
Probably. Um, like, yeah. It, but then again, like, so much does happen in this because, of course, you not only have, like, all the senior partner stuff, but you also have Kate. Yeah. And uh, you got Darla, um, who, like, doesn't have too much screen time, but damn, does she make an impression. She does. Yeah, no, this is a great episode, and I'm just, I'm so excited to, like, really continue with this meaty stuff after we've had some mediocre episodes yeah, that we've been it, in. Yeah, it really, like I said before, I really did feel like um, the storyline of Angel being apart from West Gun and Cordelia have been, it's it's a necessary story to tell, it's a necessary part of the story, Yeah, but the plots, the individual episodes, the individual episodes have been weak, yeah. So, all right. I think it's, uh, but yeah, anything else you want to say? No, I think I'm good. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you need to take us out. Yes. Well, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. And I am sorry to inform you <laughs> that we will be back next week with Buffy Season 5, Episode 16, The Body. And I, I literally don't know what that episode is going to be like yeah um because you know if if you've seen buffy before then you know you know what this episode is about even if you haven't seen buffy if you like watch that last episode you can kind of guess what it's going to be about but we always try to keep like this kind of you know fun comedic air about us like oh hey let's let's like you know interrupt this and talk about like dick jokes or something like that but it doesn't yeah, I I literally don't know how we're going to go into this episode. I think we're just going to go in and see what happens. Yeah, I, I, I suspect it will be one of our more or our, one of our less lighthearted episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, that's the body. It's yeah, going up. I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357 and on Twitter at just plain old yamij. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A and D in all of those instances. And like, you know, like feel free to send us emails. Like we when we get emails, we like talking about them on the show. And if you got like any direct questions, we'll answer them the best to our abilities yeah and don't forget to smash that subscribe uh button uh and also rate and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. this week we are highlighting every town for gun safety gun violence touches every town in america for too long life-saving laws have been thwarted by the gun lobby and by leaders who refuse to take common sense steps that will save lives. But something is changing. More than 8 million mayors, moms, teachers, survivors, gun owners, students, and everyday Americans have come together to make their own community safer. Every town starts with you and it starts in your neighborhood. By introducing evidence-based solutions in every town, we can end gun violence. Visit www.everytown.org for more information. Yes. Um... Yeah, I mean, it speaks for itself. So, as always, go slay. And be gay. Bye. Bye.